I want to introduce a few things. Ray, yeah. we got people way out here. I want to introduce a few things. Hey. And uh, in doing that, I'll, I'll spend a few seconds on some books I've written, which I've got on the table in there in the next room over, if you'd like to have some. And then I'll talk a little bit about politics and what's happened there, and then I'll talk a long time about, hopefully, about God's ways. This book is called Big Bang, The Kingdom Come. I'm a physicist by trade, and I talk here about philosophical and physical science issues associated with the creation-evolution argument. I don't think I need to tell you what side I take on it, but there's, it, it's completely written for lay people, okay? So it's completely understandable. It's my wife's favorite book that I've written. This book here, called A Season for All Time, talks about a specific season, which Jesus mentioned, it talks about the sprouting of the fig tree and all the trees, the fig tree being Israel, all the trees being the, the block of the Soviet Union and all the other Soviet-associated countries that came to life in 89 through 91 and how that we might be living in the time when we'd actually see the kingdom of God come. I've been around different places, talking Ray, camps and conferences. You can use the, keep using the mic because they can't hear I'll you. I'll keep using the mic, uh, <laughs> like I said. Um, <clears throat> this book here is answers 73 tough questions. And this book is a book which is helpful in, uh, for those of you that are new in the faith, or you get confronted by friends or something like that about your faith, this book is helpful to you. It answers questions like Christianity is for wimps, Christianity is just a crutch, uh, is there any such thing as absolute truth, how can I know there's really on, only one way, where do babies go when they die, blah, 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 lots of questions like that. Uh, my, my son thought it was very, very helpful for him. He said, Dad, that's the best thing I've ever heard you say. And this book talks about an opportunity for missions that we now have and presented to the church. It's a once-in-all-of-history opportunity. It's called Never Before, Never Again. It talks about the fact that we have baby boomers retiring and the entire world clamoring to know English. It talks about the fact that if we're going to get the whole truth to the whole world, we're going to have to have the whole church do it. And that means there's going to have to be people from every walk of life, including physicists, to do it. Okay, now, in five days, it's June 14th, which is Flag Day. A few days after that is July 4th. A few days after that, July 14th, is Bastille Day. Then we've got, uh, let's see, uh, Labor Day coming up. And we've got the 223rd anniversary of the surrender of, uh, of Cornwallis to George Washington at Yorktown, ending the American Revolution. There's lots and lots of reasons to buy these books. I mean, you want to buy them for Christmas. You want to buy them... You want to buy them for all your aunts and uncles and cousins and second cousins and friends and enemies. You just won't be able to put them down. And not only that, but I'll give them to you for five bucks each and there's a deal out there. Thank you. Just try to be honest. And you're on an honor system. I'll give you those, Paul. Thanks. Okay. Now, Paul and I uh, met each other while we were both going to the NCAA institution, which has the most national championships of any school. And um, I don't mind saying that. And uh, we became friends, and, and later on I became a minister at his father's church. And we, I'll tell you more about that as I preach tonight. But as Paul said, we've had a 40 years plus friendship, and I consider him as my longest lifetime friend, and it's a privilege for me to have such a friend. He also happened to be the best man at my wedding, which was in 1972. And I'm still married to the same girl. So, Now, I would like to talk to you this evening about three or four obstacles, maybe five obstacles, that I believe we can have give understanding given to us on, about, concerning, so that we can get on with our faith. These are not sins. I'm not talking about sins. I'm talking about things that slow us down and, and bother us. 
and I, 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 I'm asking that the Lord can give us help in that tonight. And I'm going to say the title of this message is Meanwhile Back at the Ranch. <laughs> or, if for those who don't know something that far back, I'll say, I'll say what, what Jacob said when he woke up after having had an experience with the Lord, and he said this, God is in this place, and I knew it not. Will you say that with me, please? God is in this place, and I knew it not. Say it again. God is in this place, and I knew it not. Now, I hope to be able to encourage you, if you think you can't be forgiven, if you think God can't fix your situation, if you think you must endure some kind of eternal punishment or purgatory for whatever you did or didn't do, if you think God isn't doing anything with you, if you think God doesn't understand you and your needs, and if many other things like that, I'd like to address those sorts of things. God is in this place, and He's not very far from any one of us, as, as Paul wrote in the book of, book of Acts. And we can actually feel our way for Him and find Him, it would say also in that same particular passage. And the first, the first issue I want to take head on and hopefully give you a, a, a good number of examples. First of all, an example from Scripture and also possibly some examples from my own life. And by the way, when you guys start to preach and teach, try to bring examples from your own life and experience because you own them and because they can come with more authority. Try to bring examples from Scripture and examples from your own personal life. Now, it's okay to use other people as well but they don't carry the same weight as something you've actually gone through for yourself. So start to remember those sorts of things, and you'll find out you'll have a wealth later on from which you can draw when God calls you to preach and to teach. First, the first thing is, is the Apostle Peter. And the issue we want to deal with right now is failure. How many of you have ever failed at something? Okay, okay. How many of you feel that you are free to fail again? Okay, that's okay. About sixty percent liars. That's not too bad. <laughs> Reasonably good. Okay, okay. I want you to go to Matt sixteen, please, if you would. Matt sixteen. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Matthew. Uh, can I get a little bit of light on? I can't quite read here. Thanks, Paul. Okay. All right. Matthew 16, verse 12. Uh, excuse me. Verse 13. I'm sorry. Matthew 16:13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, "Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" And they said, "Some say you're John the Baptist, others Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets." And he said, "But whom do you say that I am?" And Simon Peter answered and said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he charged the disciples that they should tell no man that he was the Christ. Now, Jesus has given something to Peter here which is very, very, very significant. 
I mean, he's told him that he's the leader. He's identified the fact that, that Peter has had a revelation, a genuine revelation from God. Nobody can take that away from you once you have that. When God reveals them things to you, they're there. Nobody else can take it away from you. It's, it's, it's something that God did, not something you tried to think up or not something that you tried to make happen. And the, and the church of Jesus Christ is built upon a confession based on a revelation. The confession that Jesus is the Son of God and that has to be revealed to us. Let me ask you this question. Why in the Bible is there no gospel according to Jesus? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why do we need them? Why, well, what's, what's going on here? Why don't we have a gospel according to Jesus and we don't need all that other stuff? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus doesn't write on paper. And he doesn't write on stone. He writes in the fleshy tables of the heart. That's what he writes. And that's the only place he writes. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. We need to have a revelation of who the Son of God is in our heart. But that is available wholesale. Anyone that wants that, anyone can have that. Anyone. Now, Jesus has made, I mean, he's, he's, he's told Peter that he's been blessed because he's had a revelation. He's told Peter that he's the leader. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, okay? Uh, and whatsoever you loose shall be loose, and whatsoever you bind shall be bound. He told him that he's the leader. Now, let's look a few more verses down here. Um, verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto you. To you. But he turned and said, Get thee hence, or get thee behind me, Satan, for you, for you are an offense to me, you, for you do not savor the things that are of God, but they that be of men. Now this is two minutes after he's been told that he's been blessed and that he's a leader. Think about that. Think about that. Jesus told Peter that he was the guy. He was the man. And three minutes later, he calls him Satan. Man. Ooh. Ooh. That's kind of tough. Now, by the way, it gets worse. It gets much worse for Peter. And I want to go into that, and then I want to show you what Jesus does to restore him after he fails miserably. Go to Luke chapter 22, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Luke. You can do it. <laughs> Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Luke 22, 31. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. Maybe you can look on with a friend. If you don't know where it is, open your Bible anywhere. Sit up and look spiritual. I'll read it to you. No one will know it. <laughs> Okay, verse 31 of chapter 22. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that you don't get sifted. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. It says, but I have prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. He didn't pray that the trial would go away. He prayed that Peter would make it through it victorious. He pray, prayed that Peter would win in the end. He didn't pray that they would be kept to totally from this trial. That he would just sort of be handled with kid gloves all the time and that sort of a thing. I do believe there is some kind of a shield around us when we first meet the Lord. I feel that God has a special shield around us, but sometimes he takes that off, maybe in layers of a, like an onion skin or an, an onion, you know, and he takes it off in layers. So sometimes he takes it off all the way and it hurts and it's painful. Well, we need to see where we are. He does that for our sake, not for his sake, by the way. Mm -hmm. So you can see where you really are. 
You can, you can evaluate where your faith really is rather than where you think or hope it might be. And it's okay to think or hope. That's fine. Uh, reality will set in at some point, you know. Youth and exuberance will always be overcome by old age and treachery. No, 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 no. no. I'm sorry. <laughs> he didn't say that uh, I don't want you to go through the fire. He says you are going to go through the fire, Peter, because Satan wants you. He said, but he prayed for him. He knows, and He prepares the way. And He knows what each one of us is going to be presented with. And there's many, many different things. Let me tell you something, kids. We're not. There's two crosses that the Bible talks about. One cross is the cross that Jesus died on 2,000 years ago. That'll never be done again. That's done. Okay. None of us will ever do that. We don't ever. We're never asked to talk about His cross. Take up His cross. But Jesus does allow crosses to be dealt to us in our life, and they may be very different for each one of us. They may be in, come in different ways and flavors and sizes and pains and all that sort of thing. Because He knows what He's called us to, and He knows what we need to endure to be able to walk in the calling that He's given to us. So each one of us will have different, maybe several different kinds of crosses, and uh, and, and He knows that how to prepare us for that. So I now want you to skip up to verses 33 and 34 in that same thing, Luke 22. And he said, I tell you, Peter, oh, no, excuse me, 33, and he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before you shall three times deny that you know me. Yes. And, boy, now that's starting to get pretty tough. I mean, now, so, so, now he's, he's calling on something. Okay, he's calling on something. He's he's setting things up, and we'll see something about the setup. I had a time I shared this in Sweden one time. Go to John. It's right after Luke. If you'll just turn to the right one book in your Bible, go to chapter 18. I want you to see this. John chapter 18, actually John 18 squared. Okay, 18, 18. Okay, okay, Johnny 18, 18. And this is right after Jesus was captured and brought into the place where he was going to be have his initial uh, questioning. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now that little, that little phrase, a fire of coals, can we say that together? A fire of coals. Let's say it again. A fire of coals. Okay, now that is only found two times in the entire New Testament. One is here, and one is in a little while later. I'll get to you, but I want you to remember that. I've been asked to speak at this church in Sweden, which was part of a school that I was going to be speaking at. It's called Torchbearers. I don't know, maybe some of you have heard Torchbearers. And I got there, and I was really agonizing about what I would say, and I had prepared this message about a fire of coals, part of which you'll hear tonight. And I was really struggling. And when I got there, they had to move the entire church out of the church building because it was so cold they couldn't do it. It was in the wintertime, first week of January. And they had to move it up to this big room where they had this big fire with coals in it. And they had, it was the only time they had ever met there. They'd been meeting there for, like I don't know how many years, every Sunday. But this was the only time they'd ever met in the room where there was a fire of coals. Okay, And as I was preparing in the morning... This woman came and knocked on the door. She was one of the... I had just gotten there the night before. They had this massive windstorm and everything was out. Power was out. I did calculations on the way back in the bus. And I, would, I, I, I calculated and estimated that more than 30 million trees were knocked down that I could see just from both sides of the road on the bus. By, by the way, I was able to estimate. It was the worst storm they ever had in recorded history in Sweden. 
And this woman knocked on the door. I was in the room. And she said, "She said, Dr. Rent, she said, you know, uh, we're really glad to have you here, but we're not going to be in the chapel this morning. We're going to go upstairs where we've got a, a, a fire of coals ready so that we can all be warm enough to have our worship service. So that was it. it was an, God loves us enough to give us little kisses. Do, do you understand that? My wife prayed for half a banana one time and somebody came and knocked on the door and gave her half a banana. My, my son, my, my three-year-old son, our, our dog was accidentally poisoned by some people that were trying to kill another dog but killed our dog and it just really hurt him it just crushed him it was a golden retriever he was, eight, he was 12 years old the golden retriever my boy was 3 and so he started to pray and every night he would get down by his bed and he said dear Jesus please give me another dog just like Sandy just like Sandy two years later on Christmas day this actually happened some people called us and said that the Lord had woken them up in the morning and told them to give James a dog. Thank you, Lord. The prayer prayer of a little child. The prayer of a little child. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we know what happened. Peter, Peter, uh, Oh, now let's go to uh, chapter, uh, the verse 56 of Luke 22. you got to go back now. Keep one portion of your anatomy in John 18. And, and, and go back to Luke 22, if you would, please, okay? I'd appreciate it if you do that. We, we've got to move right along now. It's getting really serious. Okay. Uh, verse 54 of uh, Luke 24, uh, 22. Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him, and said, This man also was with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while another saw him, and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, Truly, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what you say. And immediately, while he yet spoke, the cock crowed. And look at verse 61. This is one of the most gut-wrenching scriptures in the entire Bible. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the cock crowed, You shall deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Okay? I want you to see who he was at this point and and what was going on. He had left everything and followed Jesus for 3.5 years, roughly, give or take a a month or two or whatever it is, but about three and a half years. He had been in all the, the... He'd been in the inner circle. He had been in when Jesus raised the girl from the dead. He had been at the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus' garments became white and glistening and so forth and they saw Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah. He had raised the sect. He had cast out, raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out demons. He had seen amazing miracles done. He had been there the whole time. Peter is not a lightweight. He was there the whole time. He had guts. When none of the other disciples wanted to jump out of the boat, he jumped out of the boat and walked a few steps on the water until he got scared. He was not a wimp. He was not a wussy. He was a man's man. He had had all this experience. 
He tried to cut the servant of the high priest's head, uh, high priest's servant head off, and only got the guy's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, he, he, nobody else had the guts to draw a sword and try to fight against those guys. This guy's not some wimp. I mean, he he understands what's going on. He tried to save Jesus. And of course, he didn't understand things at that point, but he did the best he knew how to do, which was horrible. But he still did something. Okay, turn to the person next to say, at least he did something. Come on. All right. All right. Now, put yourself in Peter's place. The last, then Jesus is going to go and be convicted, you know, with the whole thing with the people saying, oh, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. They took him away and they crucified him. And the last words that, that Peter is aware that Jesus ever heard him speak, and if you look at this in Mark 14, don't go there, but I just crossed my heart and all that, it really is there. It says he was cursing and swearing, saying that he didn't know him. The last words Peter is aware of that Jesus, the person he'd given all for to follow for three and a half years, he, he was blankety blank 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 blank. I don't know the guy. Okay? Now that's pretty serious stuff. That's pretty. And now Jesus is dead and there's nothing he can do about it. Now, if that were the case with you, where would you be? Would you be pretty far down there? I think I would. Man, he really failed. I mean, this is not a mini failure. This is your full-on failure. Okay? This is the big failure. This is the big one. Alright? <coughs> now, we know that in Luke 24 it says that Jesus appeared to Peter, but we don't know what they said. We just know that he appeared. But let's see how now Peter was restored by the Lord Jesus Christ because I want you to see this. Now listen to me. I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to tell them this whole time I thought he was talking to you but now I found out he's talking to me. Go ahead and see Let's look at the restoration of Peter. Because I think each one of us can put ourselves in his shoes in the, in the minor trials that we've had compared to what he went through and, we, and the minor failures that we've had in our lives. And I think we can take courage from this. Johnny 21.9, okay? And it's very interesting to me how that the Lord brings us back to the very same place. God, God, this is so good. He brings us back to the very same place and lets us do it over again. He lets us do it over. He lets us do it over. John 21, 9. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw what? What did they see? John 21, 9. What does it say? Say it again, please. Where, where, where was Peter when he denied the Lord? At what? A fire of... Thank you. And now where did Jesus, Jesus bring him back to? Fire of coal. Now, you remember the story of Jacob, how that Jacob deceived. He and his mother, Snare, okay, uh, uh, you, uh, Supplanter and Snare got together. That's what those names mean, Jacob and Rebecca, by the way. Uh, if you name is Rebecca, sorry, but that's what it means. Um, Snare and Supplanter got together and figured out how to cheat Esau out of his birthright and out of his blessing. Yeah. Okay. And that's a pretty bad thing. He said, who are you, my son? And he said, I am Esau, your son. He said, well, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. I guess I'll bless you. I mean, he was old and blind and didn't know what else to do and so forth. And then later on, much later on, he found himself wrestling wrestling with an angel. 
And Jacob was reasonably determined. And, and he said, let me go. And he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he says, what's your name? What's your name? You missed it the last time we asked. You couldn't get it right. But have you got your name down yet? You got it down now? What? My, my name is Jacob. And he said, well, now it's going to be Israel. He brought him back to the same question. Now that was for correction. This is for restoration. Now we're going to see how God restores. And that He restores. John 21.9, there He is. At a fire of coals. Okay. <clears throat> you know, it's really easy to judge Peter. I found myself guilty of judging some of these apostle guys. You know, kind of making light of it and so forth. They had some tough stuff to do. You know why, in my opinion, this is just my opinion now, the reason that the, the, the walls of the New Jerusalem had... Uh, the, the, the names of the twelve apostles written in them, the foundation of the walls, is because, I believe it's because those guys had to learn one of the most difficult lessons anybody's ever had to learn. And that is, they could relate to Jesus in the flesh. I mean, he was actually a touchable person. They could come and ask him questions and everything. He was a real person, alive. They didn't have to try to have any faith in anything at all. All they had to do was go and talk to him. And then later on, he was gone. And now they have to learn how to relate to him when he's not there, in, in a, at least in bodily form. And that's a tough lesson. None of us have ever had to do that. We haven't had to do that. So Peter here, he's, there, there's a fire of coals laid and fish on it and so forth. And by the way, the one thing that Jesus did for his disciples after he was raised from the dead, the one thing, is he cooked breakfast for them. Yeah! Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah! He cooked them breakfast. Wasn't any big miracle thing. Wasn't any big preaching thing. He just cooked them breakfast. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Because he was done with his burden at that time. And now we now we could just sit down and fry sausages and everything, you know? <laughs> Chicken sausages. <laughs> let me ask you this. Let, 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 let's, let's go on a little further in John chapter 21 here. And uh, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And we skip down into verse 16. Look at the red letters. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Skip down to verse 17. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now let me ask you this question. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus give Peter a chance to plainly make it right in the presence of those that have heard him deny him? Thank you. Now, was it really made right? Did Jesus say, you know, I told you you were going to do that. What's wrong with you, you idiot? Can't you do anything right? You screwed it up anyway, didn't you? None of that. No recrimination. It's not even the slightest mention. It's just, Simon, do you love me? Simon, I didn't mean to hurt you that bad. <laughs> Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? That's all it was. Now let me ask you, if Jesus can take a failure of that magnitude with Peter and really make it right, I mean really right, so that Peter was feeling good on the inside, what can he do with your failures? What can he do with your deficiencies? I'm telling you, Peter failed, but God fixed it! He fixed it! And he can fix your failures really good! Just like they never happened! That's what he can do! 
I will tell you how I feel about this in just a minute. <laughs> the prodigal son was out there. And he was spending off his inheritance and lots of riotous and loose living. And it says when he came to himself, he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And he said, and then when he came to himself, it said, Ah, how many of my father's hired servants and have bread enough in despair, and I perish here with hunger. I know what I will do. I will arise. I will go to my father. I will say, Father, I have sinned in heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he went. And when he was yet a far way off, his father saw him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And he started his little speech. Father, I have sinned in heaven and before your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the Bible says, the very next verse says, but the father said, go kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger. Put dancing shoes on his feet. Put the finest robe on him. He was so blessed to have his son back. Was there the slightest mention about his son's failure and sins and stupidity? No. None at all. What did his father do? He ran as soon as he saw him way, way down the road. Now what does that tell you about God's heart? You take two steps, he'll take a hundred. What does it tell you about his heart? Does he want to fix things like they're really right? Or just the little, hi, the little weenie right? He doesn't do anything in a weenie way. He does it in a real way. He does it in a thorough way. He does it in the way that matters and that lasts. That's right. I got involved for a couple of weeks in, in some doctrines. I shouldn't have been involved in this was a long, long time ago in the 60s. And uh, I was able to make it right with everybody except one guy who was a Marine who had gone to Vietnam. And this was in the days when there weren't any phone cards and weren't any cell phones or anything like that. It was very difficult to phone someplace, especially to Vietnam. And I cried out to God. I said, God, please, please. I've got to get in touch with Carl and tell him to stop this stuff. And as I was praying, he called me from Vietnam. Uh, thank you, Lord, for letting me be clean on that. This this wasn't 2009 where you can call Vietnam for three cents a minute or whatever. This was where that was. This is where calling, making a call like that was a significant thing. Yeah. Okay. But he, he gave me. He let me get clean. He let me get clean. Let's see. God wants every one of you to stand in front of that mirror when you get up in the morning, when you're brushing your teeth, and look into your own eyes and like what you see. And I'm not talking about being beautiful or handsome. I'm talking about the fact that you're square with everybody and that you spoke the truth and you didn't back down and it feels good. Yes. <laughs> I got to tell you about something that happened to me. I was preaching at a pretty big church north of Seattle. This is five or six years ago. I don't know, four years, uh, sometime. It was in the last, uh, last five or six years sometime. And I'm often asked to talk about creation because I'm a scientist. And so I was talking about creation. And, and the part I was talking about on this particular morning was the fact that everything is for a purpose. And uh, as a matter of fact, Purpose is probably the single most important foundation it, to establish a, a, a foundation for Christian thought. You have to believe in purpose. And I got mouthy, and I was rolling on and back and forth on the stage, just screaming my head off, saying, everything is for a purpose at the top of my lungs, and my lungs are pretty big to get on the top of. And, you know, I was really blasting. <laughs> and, uh, 
And, and that was the first service. And, and when I was done, I was sort of connecting, collecting my stuff to go back and help sell books. My wife and son were in the uh, back of the church selling books, and I wanted to make sure they didn't have the whole burden of that. And I started going back there, and this girl came up to me. She was probably 24, 25 years old. And the whole front of her blouse was just full of tears and snot. And I'm not talking just about a little bit. They were just oozing snot all down the front of her blouse and so forth. And she wasn't just crying or weeping. She was sobbing. Like that over and over and over. And she says, I have to talk to you. And of course, I thought I offended her somehow because I was just really screaming. And I said, oh, what did I say? So she said, no, it's nothing like that. And she went on to tell me that her father and her mother went together in high school. And then they split up. And her mother still wanted him, but he didn't want her. And so she feigned having cancer so that he would feel sorry for her and marry her, which he did. And then they had her, and then they divorced. And so she had felt, felt ever since she was a little girl that she wasn't supposed to be. She wasn't supposed to be because of all that had happened and all the deceitfulness in her mother and the whole thing that happened that had caused this horrible divorce. She said, but when you said everything was for a purpose, I felt something lift off of me and I was free and I wanted to thank you. God didn't fix it. You got a problem? You, you blew it really bad? God can fix it. And He'll fix it tonight. And He's fixing it right now. Now I want to go to another kind of a problem. How, how late am I supposed to go? Till 15 to 10? Oh, I got some time then, you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. How many of you ever feel like God isn't doing very much with me, but He likes to do stuff with other people? How many of you ever felt that way? Oh, 80% liars this time. This is a good message for you then. Okay. I want to talk, talk to you about the example of the Apostle John. And I'm going to give you a little bit of statistics here, a little bit of things that I've looked through in the Scriptures. You can go ahead and verify them in your, with yourself. Every time John is mentioned, he's always called John the brother of James. He is never mentioned as John in his own right. He is always called the brother of James, like a tag-along. Okay? Until Acts 12.1, where it says that Herod reached forth his hand and killed James the brother of John. Now, he couldn't say James the guy without a brother, so he was called James the brother of John. That was the only time after James lost his head that he was able to. He chopped off his head, okay? So, But all the times in the Gospels, and there are no exceptions, John is always called the brother of James. That's number one. Number two, he's always mentioned second. Number three, <clears throat> Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. Okay? The sons of thunder. Now, do you think the sons of thunder were people that did this? Hi. How are you today? Isn't it nice to be here? I don't think so. I don't think so. Lord, we saw one casting out demons in your name, and we really shut him down right now. He's not part of our group, Lord. How about that? And he said, oh, man, what am I going to do with all these guys? I, I, don't, I don't understand this. And then uh, we put a stop to that one. And then Jesus had his face set like he was going to go to Jerusalem. And they were in this, this village of Samaria. And the people wouldn't receive him because he had his face set like he was on the way to Jerusalem. And James and John, being the loving, kind people that they were, they said, Lord, let's call down fire out of heaven like Elijah did and toast these turkeys right now. <laughs> and, and Jesus said, okay, group meeting, Gospel 101. This is a review. <laughs> Gospel 101. 
the Son of Man came to save men? <laughs> and you want to toast men? I think we've got a disconnect here, guys. I, I think, I think we've got a disconnect here, okay? And then they had their mom come in and, and ask Jesus to do them a favor. And what was the favor? Uh, what would you want me to do for your kids? Well, it's nothing real much more. Just, uh, just, just one at your right hand and one at your left hand when you come into your, into your glory. <laughs> and he said, are you able to be baptized with the baptism wherewith I am baptized in the King James? And he said, they said, yeah. And are you able to also drink the cup that I drink? And they said, yeah. He said, well, the baptism and the cup you'll drink. He said, but to sit at my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Now, this is three strikes and you're out for these guys. I mean, every single time that Jesus adjusts John, and there are no exceptions to this, he adjusts him with respect to his love for others. Okay? For his love for others. And there are no exceptions. You can go through every interaction with Jesus and John in the entire, in all four Gospels, and you'll see that's true. It's also interesting to note that every time Jesus adjusts Peter... It's never for his love for other people. It's only for his love for Jesus. So they had two entirely different things going on. Alright? And so John has got his, his difficulties here and so forth. By the way, it's interesting to see also that Jesus, I mean, John did know, he had some kind of an inner thing with Jesus. He had a, he was a, close to Jesus. I mean, they're sitting there at the, round, at the, at the Lord's Supper and, and Jesus starts to become very heavy and sad and he starts to take... He says, Truly I say to you, one of you is going to betray me. Betray me. And they all start to the Lord, is it me, is it me? And Peter said, Come on, John, find out who it is. Why didn't Peter just ask him himself? Because he knew somehow John had a deal. And in John chapter 21, they were all fishing and, and, and Jesus said, Hey, you guys got any fish? And John said, Hey, Pete, that's the Lord. And Peter dives in the water. Somehow, John had some kind of an end. Every I am in the entire New Testament was written by John. There isn't a single one in there that isn't. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Uh, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the great and morning star. Blah, 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 blah. They're all written by John. He saw who Jesus was. What he didn't see was who his fellow man was. <clears throat> now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. In his later days, John wrote his contribution to the New Testament. It's very possible that the Gospel of John, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, John, that, that Gospel, it's very possible that that Gospel was the very last book written in the Bible. It can't be really... It, it was written very, very late, and it may be the last book. Uh... So John contributed later on in his life in terms of his scriptures, his three epistles, his gospel, and then the book of Revelation, which was given to him on the island of Patmos when he was being uh, persecuted and, and exiled, essentially. He, he, he contributed later. And you know what John became called in the, in the early church? What was he known as? The apostle of what? Little children one another. Little children blank one another. Why? Now, let me ask you this. If God could take a fire-calling-down, arrogant, 
whatever. Uh, position-seeking guy and change him from that son of thunder to the apostle of love. Can he take you and your situation and make you into something that's really wonderful and beautiful? Can he do that? He can do that. See, God may be working in you and you don't see it. You may still be back at Gospel 101 trying to call down fire and God's going to lead you to a place where you're going to become a very loving person. Okay? That's where he's going to lead you to. Let me, let me give you a few examples of, of, of this so that you can see this. When I was youth minister at his father's church, his father's church, a bunch of kids went to Arizona and came back and, and, and there was a big car accident and two were killed. One died in my arms. And um, some others were very seriously injured. One girl was in a, uh, a coma for about three months. That's Connie Olson. And uh, I don't know if you've ever ministered or, or been around someone as they're coming out of a coma. She came out of the coma. But when somebody comes out of a coma, they, they, they act like a little baby. I mean, you have to retrain them. They learn real fast. I mean, it doesn't take years and years and years to learn again, but they, they just act like a little baby. Well, I went to see her in the hospital. It was in Albuquerque. I think it was Albuquerque. Yeah, it was Albuquerque. Because that was the best hospital to the location in Arizona where this horrible accident was. <clears throat> and she was sitting there and she was in her bed and I was feeding her what I think I remember it was butterscotch pudding I was just feeding her stuff and I'd stick this spoon in her mouth and she'd let it dribble all down her mouth she's probably 18 or 19 dribbles all down her mouth and I'd scrape it up and cram the thing back in her mouth again you know and try to get this thing to work but what I didn't know was that behind me standing in the door of the room was a nurse I didn't know that I, didn't, I just went in there to try to help her with her lunch and, you know, I did a lot of scraping and cramming and scraping and cramming, and she did a lot of drilling and spitting. And so it was, it was almost a draw. Um, <laughs> but as I was doing this, I heard this nurse say, you know, you're really a very patient person. And I said, oh, yeah, thank you, Lord. Because I knew I wasn't the person. But the fact that she thought I was, I thought I was pretty good. That may be the best thing I ever did. I don't know. You know, when we get there, he may be giving me the biggest reward that I get for, for doing that or something. So that, that's one thing. <clears throat> my wife was in, in the kitchen cooking dinner. And my wife is, uh, I call her St. Francine of Assisi. She has this cosmic connection to animals. She and her sister and her sister's husband and her sister's two oldest kids and my two oldest kids were going from Newport Beach out to Catalina Island one day and they ran into some porpoises. Now, it's not unusual to come into maybe 15 or 20 porpoises, but this was three or 400 porpoises. So they all went over to the side of the boat and put their hand down and of course the porpoises only wanted to touch my wife's hand. Nobody else was good enough. You know, they, they, they all wanted to sort of put their nose up against her hand as she held it over the side of the boat. We're up at a little place spending our, our anniversary one day. She's out on the porch just humming and making coffee or whatever it was she was doing and this wild bird just comes and lands on her shoulder. You know, that's the kind of person she is. Okay? And so she, she's preparing dinner and and our two grandkids, our two twin granddaughters, are sitting in the couch in the living room. And our house is very open, so the kitchen is sort of open to the living room. And one of them says to the other, I think Grandma's Jesus. Just <laughs> <laughs> and as far as I'm concerned, that was the best compliment anybody could have ever given them. So, anyway, 
And she was going through, we, we were separated for about a year and a half, not, not estranged, but I, was, I had to do some work and we had sold our house thinking we were going to move into another house and that house got screwed up by the builder being not what we thought he was and so she had to live in this teeny little cabin and I would see her on the weekends. It was a very hard time and she was under tremendous stress during that time. And she went over to the mainland to, to buy some stuff and she was standing at the back of the cash register line and two different women whom she has never seen before in her life and wouldn't know how to identify again, them again if she did see them came up to her and volunteered to her that they thought that she was an angel and her face was shining just like an angel. Now, I don't think she felt like her. She felt like hell, to be honest with you. She felt horrible. But to other people, they saw her beaming as an angel. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you love someone, it's not what you feel. It's what you make them feel. You may be dying on the inside. It's what you make them feel. And sometimes that means you go to the cross. And sometimes that means you deny yourself. And sometimes that means you go way out of your way at your own expense. In the Jesus movement, there was this big revival. And one of the trails that I sort of blazed was being able to speak in the high schools. And I spoke in all the high schools in the area on a weekly basis, either before school, at lunch, or after school. So sometimes I spoke 6, 8, 10, 12 times a week at these different high schools. We'd go in and pass out big boxes of good news for modern man. The kids would start to sing, get saved, fill with the Holy Spirit right in the classrooms. It was so much fun. God, it was fun. Man, it was fun. Okay, so I was doing that, and then off, uh, I would be speaking at various other places at night, and so I was really busy. And I'd come back down from the college he used to go to before he started going to the right one. And, <laughs> California Lutheran College. Um, he repented of it, though. That's okay. And, and uh, I was up there at some Bible thing up there and, and speaking, and I came back, and I got back about 2.30 in the morning, and I had to get up at 6 to get ready to go speak at some school in the morning. And I was really dragging. And I mean, I was dragging. I was dragging. I was in his dad's garage where I used to sleep. The garage was converted into a nice place. It wasn't, you know, oil and all that. So I was sleeping in his dad's garage. I got up and got up down on my knees by the bed. And the Lord saw where I was. And I started to pray. And it was and it was like the Lord was saying this to me. Thank you very much, Ray. Don't need your prayers today. Thank you. And it was like he whisked all my prayers away. He said, I can see that you need some joy. And so it was like he took a 55-gallon barrel of joy and dumped it on me. Now, that actually happened. And what happened was I started to smile. I started smiling like this and like this and I have to go like this every night before I went to bed because my face ached because I was smiling so hard. Okay? I smiled and smiled and smiled and I go into the class, how's everybody today? You know, and, I, and I was smiling and I couldn't stop smiling. It lasted for about three months, okay? And, and somebody wrote a track tract about it called Living Water and has this picture of this guy with this big shoe smile on his face like that. Hey, God knew what I needed. Do you understand? I didn't think any, I didn't know what was going on. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was just dragging, like I said. But God knew what I needed. One final one, to, just to encourage you a little bit. <clears throat> when the guy with the ten talents came back, he said, Lord, you gave me one talent. Behold, I gained ten talents. He said, okay, make him over ten cities. That guy didn't go to city management school. He didn't go to mayoral prep school. He played with the talents, and boom! In one instant, he was, he was promoted from playing with talents to ruling over ten cities. Now think about that sometime. Joseph wanted to get out of prison just like you and I would. 
Joseph was framed. He did the right thing. He made the righteous choice. He didn't touch that woman who was trying to drag him into bed day by day by day. And he ran! And he did all the right things and he was still framed and he was still thrown in jail. And yet when he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker for Pharaoh, he thought, man, that's my ticket out of here, baby. I'll get out of here now. And after he was done interpreting the dreams for the butler and the butler was restored, the next verse says, and behold, at the end of two full years, Pharaoh dreamed. Two full years. Nothing happened. Two full years. Joseph was just down there rotting in a dungeon. Nothing. Nothing. But God wanted to do something more than just get him out of prison. He gave him rulership of the whole empire in a single day. God knows how to promote. God knows the right time to do the thing that you that, that He's built you for to do for your whole life. God knows what He's doing. That's right. Peter failed. God fixed it. I want to tell you something. Many of us feel that we have a long way to go, but I've got news for you. God takes some pretty big steps. My boss called me into his office one time. I don't know when this was. Early 90s, mid 90s, something like that. For my annual review. And your annual review is when they tell you how you've been doing and whether you're going to get a raise and how much your raise is and what they expect of you the next year and all that. That took about eight or ten minutes. And then he gets up from behind his desk. He goes to the office door. He looks both ways and closes the door. I say, wow, what's going on now? And then he goes back around and sits behind the desk. He says, Ray, can I ask you something? I said, sure, John. He says, why are you always so happy? I said, I would love to tell you why I'm always so happy. Okay? God can do it. God knows where you are. He understands where you are. You may be being stretched. He sees it and feels it more than you do. Like I said, at some point I will tell you how I really feel about this. You know, these guys that we've been talking about are apostles. I mean, they're foundations in, this, in the wall of the New Jerusalem. They're, they're pillars of the faith, and they had their same kinds of struggles. Go back to John 21 now. We'll see something about Peter and John together. <clears throat> Verse 18, 21:18. Jesus is speaking here. He said, Verily I say to you, when you were young, he's speaking to Peter just after he's restored him, just after he's given him three times the opportunity to, to say that it's okay, that he loved him. When you, you girded yourself and walked where you wanted, but when you shall be old, you shall stretch forth your hands, and another shall carry you where you would not. This he spoke to signify by what death he should glorify God. And, what he, and when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. And Peter, turning about, seized the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, who is it that betrays you? Now that's John. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Peter is still insecure. John, he can't put John into a box, and he's still insecure. Do you understand? Does that make you feel better? Do you understand? Do you, can you relate to that? What shall this man do? He see, he, John is weird to Peter. That's all I was doing. He's weird. He's weird. <laughs> 
Yet in Acts 3.1, after they were both filled with the Holy Spirit on the, on the day of Pentecost, they went up to the temple together to pray as was their custom. Oh, I like it. God heals relationships. God, take, God takes away intimidation. God takes away misgivings that we have about other people and heals things. And He really puts it right. Turn to the person right next to you and say, He's going to put it right, baby. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's almost 9 o'clock. I've got to move here. Okay. <laughs> I lied. Okay. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, we, we, we talked a little bit about failure. We talked a little bit about God doesn't seem to be doing something in me. We talked very briefly about brothers, God putting people back together. One of the things God asked me to do a number recently, oh, about two years ago, was to write down a list. of. He didn't ask me to do it. I felt it in my heart. I want to make it clear. I heard no voice. I write down a list of people that I thought I needed to reconcile with. And the guy that I really didn't want to call, the guy that I had done some really stupid stuff to, I didn't want to call him. I called the guy. I finally got I finally got the guts to call him. I called him. And I said, hey. Get the mic close. <clears throat> uh, mic close here, please. We'd like to move the mic close if you would. <clears throat> uh, testing, please. We are now testing for the mic. Okay, this is definitely a mic test. All right. <clears throat> I can do that because he's my friend. Okay. 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 And so I call this guy, and I said, you know, I did these stupid things. He says, Ray, I don't even remember it. I said, look, I feel like such a jerk for doing what I did. He says, I don't, honestly don't even remember it. He said, if you think we, we, I need to forgive you, fine, I forgive you. He said, but I honestly don't remember, and it's great to talk to you again, and how's Pam, and blah, 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 blah. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay? They may not all be like that, but that was the one I was the most afraid of, okay? Because okay? I was a jerk. Uh, and I'm just a little less of a jerk now. So, okay. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, now we're getting to get in, into something where we have what I like to call a paradigm shift. We've been walking down a road with a certain understanding and God is waiting for us to see something else. And we want to hang on to this understanding, but God has something far better for us over here, but we want to hang on over here because that's what we're sort of committed to and we're sort of proud of it or we're in some way connected to it in a way that it's hard to let it go. Let me tell you something. When you ask something of God, when you when you need something from the Lord, what you do is you... Now, can I have... Oh, here's one here. The promise book. I'll take the Bible promise book. Thank you very much. Uh, when, you, when you pray about this, you want a husband or a wife or a career or a, a, a German shepherd or whatever. I don't know what it is. And, and, and when you pray about it, you have your hands open. So the Lord can take that out of your hands if He wants to. If you don't have your hands open, you got it like that, you're lying to God. He sees that. Now, He understands it. But he's waiting just for you to start to open up those hands a little bit. So that thing is, he can take that baby if he wants it. He can take it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Paul says these words, My heart's desire and prayer for, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He really thought he was sent to the Jews. And the thing is, is that he was far, far too capable to go to the Jews. He was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. If you read his pedigree in Philippians chapter 3, nobody could talk to that guy. That's why God had to take him to the backside of the desert over in Arabia and beat the snot out of him for about 9 years or 13 years or whatever it is so he can become a regular person again. But he could have won any argument with any Jew with no problem. 
But see, the purpose is not to win arguments. The purpose is to walk in the spirit and power of God. And that's different than winning arguments. If I can convince you of something, someone else can unconvince you. But when God puts it in your heart, you've got it forever. Educated at the feet of Gamaliel, a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, considering the righteousness of the law blameless. Who could say that? Paul did. Man, that guy must have been really tough to talk to. Must have been a real so-and-so. I'm not going to say any more words than that, because I've already run out of all my lifetime rations of swear words, so I'm, I'm going to try to be a very good boy. Yeah. No, I don't swear much, that is. Okay. And I do try to obey the speed limit sometimes. Okay? All right. But in the end, God sent Paul to the Gentiles. And Peter, who was a tough, blue-collar worker, comparatively uneducated, Hebrew from Galilee, which means circle of the Gentiles, was sent to the Jews. Okay, He was the guy that God sent to the Jews. The guy that was completely unqualified to go to them. Master, knowest thou that thy saying offended the Pharisees? Leave them alone, they're blind leaders of the blind. Did he go to them and say, Oh, I'm so sorry I offended you? They let him alone. Think about that sometime. We're too worried. Listen, the church is far, 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 too worried about what people think. They are. Listen, guys. Listen, girls. Listen. The day I could confess what I was to my peers, I got free. I got free. It was so good because I tried to walk in something for so long that I just couldn't be. And my wife and my son and my friend said, Ray, you're not a pastor. And you know what? I got up in front of a bunch of ministers and said, I'm not a pastor, and I got free! And I've gone all a million gazillion places after that and preached God's Word in, in all kinds of places. Yeah. So, after a while, the Jews get give Paul so much trouble. He says, your blood's on your own head. I'm going to the Gentiles. And then Paul had to start to see what it was to be the apostle of the Gentiles. And along that way, he learned a huge lesson. And that is the lesson in making a transition from gift to grace. We want to have our gift identified. Let me tell you something. You read this book backwards and forwards. There's not one person in this book trying to find out what their gift is. Not one. It can't be that important. Suppose I have the measles, but I tell you that I have the chicken pox. What do you get from being around me? What? Doesn't matter what I call it, does it? Doesn't matter one bit. You get the same benefit anyway, don't you? Okay? You want a label? I'll tell you what a label is. That's a label. You really want that? You want that thing there? I don't want a label. Here's what I want here's what I want you to understand. That God is far more interested in making you into a gift than He is in just giving you gifts. But He does give gifts. Don't know the sense. I love to speak in tongues. Okay? I love to prophesy. I love to pray for people to be healed. I love to do all kinds of things like that. I love it. Oh God, I love it! But more important than that, more important than that, I want to be a gift. So that where I go, people feel like they've been given something. I've been a gift to them. Okay? I, I don't care what you... Suppose you think I'm a prophet, but I'm really a teacher. Has anything been lost? No. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. 
We're way, way, way too worried about titles and labels and, 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 and all that sort of thing. And it's not necessary. Go to Numbers 12, would you please? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Or you can pull the trick and just look spiritual and I'll read it to you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Numbers 12.1 And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. By the way, do we have an Ethiopian woman here today, Beza? Yeah. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Would you please stand up? What color is Beza? Anybody care to guess? <laughs> Come on, what color is she? Black. Thank you, thank you very much. I just wanted you to see that. Moses had married a black woman. God didn't curse him for it. I brought a message once in Africa called God Don't Make No Trash. Yeah. God don't make no trash. Black is just as beautiful as white. Amen. No difference. As a matter of fact, if you look in the in the book of Revelation, it says John says, And I beheld a great number and a great multitude that no man could number of every kindred and tongue and tribe and nation. You take part of your earthly identity with you when you go to heaven. He had married a black woman and they didn't like it because they were prejudiced. And they said, Has the Lord indeed only spoken by Moses? Verse 2, chapter 12. Has He not spoken by us? And what does the next thing say? And the Lord heard it. She didn't like it either. And the Lord heard it. Say that with me. Come on. And the Lord heard it. Turn to the person next to you and say, And the Lord heard it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> now the man Moses was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Who wrote that? Who wrote that verse? Now, either he is an arrogant so-and-so, or he truly is the meekest man on the face of the whole earth, and he has enough meekness to be able to say this without the slightest hint of pride. I, I choose to believe the latter. Somebody wrote John Wesley a letter one time, accusing him of being filled with malice and pride. And he wrote back the guy, and this is what he said, of malice Hey, bud, how you doing? He said, he didn't say that. He said this. He said this. He wrote the guy back, and he said, Of malice, I have none. Of pride, I have too much. I think that's an excellent answer. Okay? And the Lord spoke suddenly to Moses and Aaron and Miriam and said, Come out, you three, under the tabernacle of the congregation. And, they, and the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they came forth. Now let's, let's, hear, now let's hear what God puts the premium on. What, what does He really look for? And He said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. You want to be a servant instead of having a label. And God will honor that. God wants you to be his servant. 
And what that means is you can find yourself stepping into all different kinds of things. I might be a spiritual father to some. I, may, I might be, have some kind of apostolic input to some. I might have prophetic input to some. I might have a teaching input to some. I might have an evangelistic input to some. I might have a whatever input to some. But my desire is to serve the Lord. It isn't try to say, I am a munchy crunchy. <laughs> I don't want that. That's not where I am, okay? I don't want a label like that. And it sure felt good when I just confessed it in front of a whole bunch of other ministers one time. Paul had to find himself saying, <clears throat> but by the grace of God, I am what I am. In the end, it's all going to boil down to the grace. You could be asked to do some things. It doesn't matter what your label is. Can you find the grace to do it? And can you find the grace to do it with the right attitude, knowing that your Heavenly Father is waiting for you there? That's the thing. That's the real thing. God wants to make you into a gift. Turn to the person next to you and say, Are you a gift, baby? Come on. Now turn back to the other person and say, You better believe it! The final the final step for Paul, at least as well as we understand, this is only by extra biblical knowledge. We don't we don't have this actually from the Bible. But tradition has it that Paul had one final grace to overcome, and that was a chopping block, where he put his neck down on a block and lost his head. <laughs> now, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like to think about that kind of thing, but maybe some of us in this room, maybe me or you, are going to have to be asked to do that sometime. To say, you know, you will now renounce your Lord or I'll blow your brains out. Well, get to blowing then, because I'm not going to renounce it, you know. That, that may happen to some of us. I don't know. I, I would think it would be surprising if it were to happen in this country, but it might. But what I want you to understand, gang, listen, this is so important, is that God knows what He's doing. And He knows what He's doing even when you don't think He knows what He's doing. And He knows what He's doing even when you don't feel Him not doing what you think He should be doing or hope He might be doing. <laughs> and He is for you. He is not against you. He is for you. And you can please Him. The commandments of God are not grievous. They're not grievous. So I hope in in some of these things, in some of these examples we've used this evening, the three or four that we've covered, that you can see what God is after. And sometimes it, it, it feels like He's not there. Now, let me say that when it says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light, the word for easy there in the Greek is kratos, and it could be translated pleasant. So even though you may be going through a very difficult time, you should have a connection to Him inside of you which you can sense which is pleasant. You're not, are you still there, Lord? No, it's not that at all. God wants to give you something in there so that you know. So something that sits there and cries Abba, whether or not you try to make it cry Abba. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what He's after in all of us. He wants to give you the witness of the Holy Spirit within you that you're a child of God. So there's no longer a question to you. So you become the owner of your own faith rather than allowing your faith just to be wrapped up in your church or your tradition or your parents or your teachers or your college or your whatever. He wants you to own your own faith. And that happens when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and starts bearing witness with your spirit that that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that you have been born again. That's my introduction. (laughs) 
<laughs> and now I'm going to get into the meat of God. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, um, I consider it a privilege to stand here tonight. And uh, I, Paul and I have a special relationship together, a special friendship. That's true. But I hope you see who you have in him. He is. You don't find many like him. In your whole life, you won't find many like him. So get what you can from him while you can. And treat him like he's been God and gift to you. Yeah. And you'll find out that God will bless you if you do that. Amen. Uh, he didn't ask me to say that. He's going to pay me later. No, no. <laughs> he didn't ask me to say that. All right. He, 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 none of that at all. Okay. But, but Paul is a man who has paid his dues. And Paul is a man who has consistently loved the Lord and loved the Lord's people at his own expense as long as I've known him. Yeah. And that's a long time. Pardon? Microphone. We can't hear you. Oh, microphone! Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, Paul is a person uh, <clears throat> who has consistently loved the Lord at his own expense for more than 40 years as long as I've known him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what I'd like to do now... <laughs> what I'd like to do now is have every head looking up, every eye open, and I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to let the Holy Spirit do whatever it is that He wants to do. <laughs> and when we're done doing that, we'll dismiss the meeting. But I don't know how long that's going to take. Okay? So we're just that that's how we're going to do it. So we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit here now to, to come in and seal some of these things in our hearts and to get breakthrough to, to, to those that need them and so forth. Okay, every head looking up. Every eye open. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Thank you that you send us the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you send us the powerful Holy Spirit, the Spirit that, that transforms us, Lord. The Spirit that, that it, it doesn't matter what we've done or how bad we are or how little our faith has been. You, 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 Lord, you're after us and you want us. And we say, Lord, we surrender. We surrender tonight, Lord. We surrender. And we ask that you would break through each one of us with your love. And establish us in your love. Lord, there are some here tonight who just need to sit here and let God love them. And they don't want to do that, Lord. They, they, they think they have to prove something to you. But Lord, they don't. They can just let, Lord, let, let you love them, Lord. And there are others here that have things to say that they need to stand up and say, Lord, let them do it. Give them the boldness. Give them the courage, Father. And Father, let us all leave this place in such a way that the things that were shared tonight will be sealed in our hearts and that we will walk with them. And let this be some kind of a, a milepost, if you would, if it would please you, Lord, so that we can go from beyond here knowing, Lord, that you take our failures and you fix them. And that you work even when we don't think you're working. And Lord, that you put us together with our brothers and our sisters. And Lord, that we can have the changes that come over us. The things where we really need to change in the way we look at things. And you'll do that for us. Thank you for being so gracious. Thank you for giving us the supply that you give to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I'd like you to bow your heads. And I'd like you to raise your hand if you'd like to have prayer. Would you do that, please? Okay, now. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I would like to have the rest of you who are not raising your hand look around, and if somebody has their hand up next to you, I'd like you to pray with them, please. I'd like to have you pray with them. And those of you that know how to pray with people, if you see people with their hands up, go do it, baby. Go do it.
give you an appreciation for your parents, no matter who or how they are. He wants to give you an appreciation for them so that you can honor them. There may be some of you here tonight that don't respect your parents. But we know that respect has to be learned. But on, earned. But honor can be given. And the Lord wants you to treat your parents in an honoring way. Thank them. Dead noses smell no roses. Make sure you thank them for everything you can think of to thank them for before you can't thank them anymore. Let them go to be with the Lord or to go to their reward with the satisfaction of knowing that you saw something good, that you appreciate all that they'd ever done for you. He wants to challenge you with that and He wants to enable you and empower you to learn how to thank your parents and honor them. planted deeply in the hearts of some here tonight. There are some people here tonight whom he is going to turn into watchers. And you're going to spend some time on your knees, probably at night, asking the Lord to let you see what's going on. Not just in this fellowship or with your brothers and sisters, but in various places in the world and how you fit into them and how you can pray for them. He's going to bring watchers out of this group. And some of you here tonight that have the least that have no confidence in your own ability to speak or preach he's going to be sending you and you're going to be sharing the gospel in places where you never thought of and he's going to use you in that way everybody um, I, want, I, I wanted there's two things I wanted to just thank you know this group Paul's group and everything here that's going on and I just pray that everybody here can be become one more and more you can grow in love for one another more and more and also to encourage anybody that has anything on their heart 
or if there's anything that you feel like you're just staying where you're at and you need to step out to just go and don't have any fear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I kind of had one thing kind of along with, if you don't mind me sharing. Um, when I first, this is my first time here, so I don't Thank you as well. Um, when I first met him, I looked at his curly hair and just kind of randomly, just kind of out of the blue, we were joking that he kind of reminded me of Keith Green, um, who died many years ago. I don't know if you guys know Keith Green in the ministry. Yeah, sure. So it was just kind of a goofy comment, you know, that his hair and how Keith Green used to have it, like big, long, curly hair. Mm -hmm. So we were saying, you know, if he would grow his hair out like Keith Green, who kind of looked like him. So it was just kind of a goofy thing. But then I noticed on this song sheet that the song we just sang, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful, mm -hmm. is a song that was written by Keith Green. That is true. And so I was just sort of pondering that through the beginning um, of this meeting. And so I'll just throw it out. This is kind of what I sense for this group, this place we're in, this um, home group or whatever this is. Um, I just kind of had a sense that this place was a place like a distribution center where there were... Um, I don't know how to say it, mantles, callings, giftings, um, that will be distributed on people. And like Let it happen, Lord. <laughs> and like the mantle of Keith Green, you know, he died tragically, he died young. And I kind of had a sense that his, you know, he was kind of a forerunner, he was a really radical, um, you know how you were like standing up and clapping, you're like, you're so radical and zealous, almost like we had to tone you down a little bit, <laughs> you know? Um, that was Keith Green, he was just like, crazy. He was Jewish, but when he got saved, he just went like completely nuts for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he had a track ministry, and he had a music ministry, and he had an evangelism. Um, and then he died in that plane crash. But I, I, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate or weird, but I kind of felt like, you know, his mantle, his anointing, his the calling that was on his life. Um, I mean, could it be that the Holy Spirit wants to distribute that on others? And maybe like on you. Yeah. I kind of feel like on him. Well, when she, I don't want to. Except the premature death part. None of that. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> that part. The rest of it. I'm not gonna presume anything, but I just—it was so crazy because I'd never heard of Keith Green before until just the other day. That I was—I was at Northwestern Bookstore for my first time in a long time, meeting some people to eat at the restaurant buffet. I was looking around just in the meantime, waiting for them to get there, and I looked and I found Keith Green. Yeah. A book that sounds and the title said an uncompromised gospel. Yeah. And the minister that has been um, ministering to me and discipling me, that's his main emphasis. <clears throat> that he has come to America, he's from Kenya, to preach an uncompromised gospel. That's that's awesome. I think you guys should definitely get together and you, you should pray with him afterwards. That'd be for great. Sure. Well, and I feel yeah. like this place That'd is almost a wellspring of a lot of mantles that um, the Lord wants to place on. I don't know. Just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you because we we believe that we felt that God has wanted to stir something up in people who come here. We're on a journey. We just met last night. We said, why are we here? And we don't see it clearly, but we know we're on a journey. And we're to invite the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do in our life. I like what Ray said tonight, that God can do with you things that you don't think He can do. He's a big God. And so I thank you, Father, that you come to us and you give us the precious gift 
of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for the work that you have done tonight. Stir in our hearts. Stir. And we do believe that you are calling some to go across the street and others go across the continent. And it makes no difference whether it's across the street or across the world. We thank you that we are special because you have put your hand on us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you can equip us for things that are bigger than we are. We bless your work in us. And here's how we do it. We have food out on the table at the other end of the house. And some of us stay in here and continue to pray. We'll stay in here and pray. I asked Ray earlier tonight, I said, stick around, stay in here. And he said, okay, I'll do that. Some of us are just going to stay in here and pray. Some of you, it would be good to have one-on-one prayer. That God's touched something, a thought, an idea, a scripture, a longing, and you want prayer. You're going to ask somebody. Are there others that are going to stay in here and pray? The the, the team of leaders, people, okay. You'll be in a couple, okay. Uh, So there are people here that will stay and pray. We don't want to talk in here because this is going to be where we're praying. So it takes us a while to get out, and we have conversations in here. But, but uh, and, and one way isn't better than the other. If you just want to talk, that's as good as staying in here and praying. One way isn't better. But you just decide what's good for you right now. And if it's to have prayer one-on-one with somebody or a small group, then you stay right here. There's an offering plate out there on the uh, kitchen table. If you're a guest, you know, that's not for you. But if you're... Uh, a part of this and you want to contribute to the food or missions, we give it all away. It's not for us. I don't get any of it. It's to give away. We love to give things away. So if you want to give money so that we can give it away, then you may do that. Let's say thank you to Ray. He, he spoke into my life when I was young and not quite as crazy as he was. And uh, he, he spoke a lot of truth, a lot of scripture into my life. And that that contributed to, the, to light the fire in me. Because I was much more cautious. I was much more timid. And I'm not there anymore. Thanks. Yeah. So if, if you don't have money long to get the book, get the book and write your name down because Communitas will pay for it. If you, if you would like to take all the books home but you don't have any money, you'd like to take them, and you'd read them. Don't just take them. But if you, if you really will read them, I've read them. If you will read them and you don't have the money, if you have the money, pay for it because you'll, you'll like it more. But if you don't have the money, then take them. And we'll pay for it. But you got to sign your name so we know how much to give them, right? Right. Okay. Bless him and pray for him and give him some words. We will. We'll do it right now. We'll do it quickly. We won't take a long time to do it because I've I've kind of promised some people. Some people have to leave right at 10. It's hard for them to get out. How would you like to walk from here through this crowd the other side? It's hard to get over. A lot of human beings in here. (laughs) uh, Put your hand on them if you're close to Ray. Now, if God gives you something, it might be a picture, it might be a feeling, 
It might be a word that just passes through. You step into it and you'll find that more will come. We prophesy according to our faith, the Bible says. And if you haven't done it before, this would be great. You know, if you've never done it before, this that'd be cool for you to step out and give it a try. Start with something easy like, I appreciate, and you, you say something that's very obvious about them, and then it shifts into prophetic word. Okay. And don't get nervous. This is fun. Don't get spiritual. You know, don't try too hard. Don't 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 pray a lot. I mean, just jump in. I feel like you're. He calls you the ray of sunshine. That you're just. Um, you bring people a lot of joy and cheer. A ray of sunshine. Ray a lot of joy. And I I saw you jumping off a cliff like a kid. And just like going we and just jumping off, and I feel like that he's so. You just described Ray <laughs> jumping off a cliff. Yeah, that's a good picture. That's a great picture, and Anne. Because of that, you like he's so pleased. Like just keep jumping off, and and you're gonna cause other people to like jump off and grab them, and be like this is so much fun, and and just that describes your faith, and you're gonna bring other people into that kind of faith where they're cool. like, Thank you know. You. That they believe in cool. Anybody felt like jumping off a cliff tonight after hearing this? More <laughs> willing to go for it and jump off a cliff, take risks. That's good, Ann. That was really a good word. A couple more. If you've never done it before, give it a try. It's fun. That'll give you. That'll give you something. Ray, I just saw a picture of you on a path, and you had a backpack on, and you've got a long ways, but there's a long ways to go still on your journey. Thank you. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Ray and I both pray for that. I'm younger than he is. I'm a lot younger. He's 66, I'm 65. And he said what I've said to other people. I haven't said it to him, but he said, I want 30 more years, and that's what I prayed for. 30 more years to have fun doing what we're doing. My need a walker. I started running a race. Oh, really? I'm like on, like on a track, like a 100 meter dash. And like when you run, when people run track, when you step on the line of the of the next next lane you get disqualified. Yeah. But I saw you running as you keep on running, your lane keeps on growing wider. I'm sorry to see you stepping into new territory. Wow. Stepping into new things and your lane getting wider, so God enabling more gifting in your life to, to run. Thank you. So get safe running. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks for suggesting this and he gave to us, so it's it's appropriate that we give something to him. Amen. Now anybody here that have never done this before that would like to give it a try? I got to go with the first one that um, just you're a joyous encouragement and um, those, just those two words and I just feel like that uh, Thank it's, you. it's nowhere near the end. <laughs> I just see when you speak, you, like I just saw like a picture of like arrows coming out of your mouth when you speak, but not only the arrows come out of your mouth, but they hit dead center bullseye, like where do the arrows land. They land exactly where they need to land. Cool. Cool. Good. I see him. Oh, like, Real loud, Anthony. I see him declaring stuff. Even just things that are stubborn in our world. I see you raising up young people under you. Like a lot of generations right now. I see them coming up under you because you're opening doors. 
with that new territory, even your words, you're going to be like criticizing. I, I don't know why I see politics, just heavy issues, but I just see you even just calling them out as like, what, what's going on, what's wrong, and just, just sharing the love of God. And a lot of people who are stuck in that, that world are going to be converted, are going to just see God and know God, but you're going to kick open a lot of doors, and a lot of young people full of Jesus Christ are going to come through come through the door that you said, kind of like that Trojan horse. Back okay, Lord, let these things happen according to your purpose and your power. Increase the Holy Spirit. And Ray, we thank you, Lord, for what's bubbled up tonight. Increase the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. Increase his influence, O oh Lord. Increase his territory. We bless him as he walks the map. And he goes off the map. New places, new uncharted territory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Okay. Good. If you haven't signed uh, the newbie list and you are a newbie and you want to stay in touch with us there it is right there anybody not signed it that wants to raise your hand if you haven't signed it and you want to anybody else out there we see you people out there too okay get that out there if anybody wants to sign up for a small group there's another clipboard where's the other clipboard it's out there okay let's just put it on the table if you want to sign up, there's food, and stay here as long as you want. Prayer in here, out there. Okay, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with what? Do you believe that? Like He really likes you, really likes being with you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you His peace. Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Say it louder. Amen! Amen. <laughs> the neighbors might have heard that one. Huh? <laughs>